Hey, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, four weeks ago, I had a, a letter that was sent to me, and it had an address of where I needed to go, doctor. So I got the letter. I opened it up, and I thought, okay, I got it. I know where this is. No, not really looking at the uh, address, not looking at it. Just like, I know, I know. This is where uh, Rudy Migliori's office was. It's probably right there. No problem. So off I went uh, in the car. On time, of course, I have to be on time. That's my nature. Now, as we're getting there, I pulled into the parking lot. I looked at the address. I said, this isn't even close to the address, not even close to the address. Now I panicked a little bit because now I was going to be late. So I decided, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start. Whoa, okay. Communication off. Okay, so now I'm driving. I said, well, you know what? I better get out my old friend Waze. You know, I'll find out how to get there. Put in the address. It says Hot Pog Smithtown. Here's your choices. I said, oh, my Smithtown, of course. So I get in the car, drive all the way down to the Denison building, turn all the way around. Now I'm driving back to Comac again, and I, I pull into someone's driveway. I thought, well, this probably isn't it either. Okay, now I am panicked. So I have a long talk with Waze about how to get me there. The last address, now, I, now I'm heading back to Smithtown, down by Brookside Drive, across Brookside Down, down line, town line, around the corner by uh, five guys, and I turn around, and that's where it is, like eight minutes from here, and I have just spent almost 40 minutes trying to find it. Have you ever gotten that place where no matter what anybody says, you know? That's it, you know. If someone says to you, um, uh, could you pray for me? I'm sick. Yeah, I'm going to pray that you get healed. Okay, okay. That's, of course, that's what you're supposed to do. My marriage is falling apart. I'll pray that it'll be healed. My finances are a mess. I'll pray that God will bless you. That, we don't even, it's, it's almost like, I got this, God. I got this. I know exactly. Here's the problem. I know what the answer is because that's the way it works. Here's what's happening. I know what to do. Now, but God may be nudging you and saying, you know, I got another plan. It's, it's okay, God. I got this. You've got world events. You've got all kinds of things going on. I can take care of this. I know exactly how to pray because this is how you pray when it's time when someone's sick. This is how you pray when a marriage is falling apart. This is how you pray when situations are going on. I know what to do. But there's a challenge in Scripture this morning for us. And I want to talk about what happens when we are transformed. What happens in our prayer life, in our priorities, and all the things that unfold in our lives? What happens? From Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I then live. I have been crucified fully who I am, every part of my life from history to the moment I prayed that sinner's prayer and my entire being was crucified, dead, and I have a new life that has to begin. That has to begin and it happens at that moment that Jesus becomes Lord and Savior of my life. Every single time. And for someone who hasn't been born again, this means nothing. Because the best we can hope for is behavior modification. That's the best we can hope for as not being a believer, as someone that just kind of believes in religious stuff. But for us, as a believer, he says, Christ lives in me. 
now, completely, this whole crazy body that I've been given, Christ is alive in me, and therefore every single part of my life changes. It's not about just changing my behavior. It's not about modifying the way I speak or talk or what my priorities are. It's not about thinking different things because that's what I should do. It's about an absolute spiritual transformation that takes place in me because of Jesus Christ. I don't think the same anymore. I don't pray the same anymore. I don't have the same, the same things that matter to me anymore because Christ has changed me. He is alive in me. It's very different when we're transformed in Christ because if it was my works, then Christ died for nothing. You have to kind of get that in your head. If this is all about what I'm doing, then where is the spiritual rebirth that's happened in our lives? If all I have to do is keep track of the right thing to do and the right thing to say and the right people to be with and all those different things. Paul writes in Romans 12 that we're transformed and renewed. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. but Be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. No longer conforming to this world. We have to die in our relationship to the way this world is. Die in our relationship to what the priorities of this world is. Die in our understanding of the way the world sees it versus the way that God sees it. We have to die in that area. And sometimes it's almost impossible to think that way. But this pattern of the world, even our pattern of our faith in Christ has to change so that we are able to say, I have the mind of Christ in this situation, not because I'm giving a prophetic word, but because I have no desire to understand the situation, to walk into the the room, to walk into this place of, of conflict, of need. I have no desire to have any understanding except what Christ has, what God has, what the word of truth says. That's all that matters to me. I am not there to fix it so that I feel better in my flesh and in my understanding. I want to get out of it and allow the Holy Spirit alive in me to step in and do something beyond anything I could ever imagine. His good, pleasing, and perfect will, that is what we want. And it means changing. It means changing our patterns. It means just, it's hard to disconnect from the world because we've been in the world. But the the power of the Spirit of God as he comes into our life allows us to step back from the world and take hold of the the word of truth in our hearts and our lives. About three, four months ago, we bought a puppy. Yeah, we needed a puppy. And you know, anybody who's had a dog or a puppy or cat, I don't know about cats, puppies, you have to train them. That's just the way it works. And so that becomes my job in the morning because I'm the first one up. And he greets me with a big happy, you know, whatever smile and licking and all that stuff. And okay, out we go. So then we get out to the place, you know, the place that they're supposed And he sits there and he just looks up at me like, hi, you know, we're out here together. Oh, there's a bird. Oh, oh, okay. oh, oh there's something, you know, just total distraction. Because he's thinking, I don't know why we're out here because I normally go inside. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We need to change this pattern. And what is it? It's positive reinforcement. You know, it's just taking, it's like when you're training children, right? The same thing, you get an M&M when everything happens, you know? I don't get M&Ms. 
But this, this little puppy is learning that this is the way that his life is to be. And for us as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to learn how to walk in the Spirit of God every single day. It doesn't just happen that one time. It doesn't just happen because we've had a wonderful worship experience. It happens every single day. God is transforming us, changing the patterns, giving us a better understanding of what his purpose is, what his desire is, what he wants us to be. We are transforming the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 says this, The man without the Spirit does not expect the things that come from the Spirit of God, does not accept them, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. See, see, we're not just transformed to pray a certain way. When we are transformed so that we have the mind of Christ. So what happens when we come into a situation and we're able to say, okay, could you pray for me? Uh, we had a situation right here up at the altar. And one of, the, one of the prayer warriors up here, somebody came and they said, this is what I'd like to pray. And they said, I don't think that's why, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to pray. I thought, what? What do you mean? He says, no, I feel the Lord spoke to my heart as you were walking down that this was what you're supposed to pray for. That's what I'm supposed to pray for. The guy broke down in tears because that's what's really happening in my life. You see, when we say I need the mind of Christ, now I don't just walk through as a, in a Christian realm doing certain things and saying certain things. I come to that place and I say, God, when, when you bring me into these situations, when I wake up every morning, I want to wake up as a transformed person. I want to be transformed in the eyes of God. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want my mind to be renewed. I want to be made ready for what you have today. I don't want to just go through the routines. I want to just go to work and come home. I don't want to just take care of the stuff in my life. I want to go in transformed, new in Christ, my mind renewed and ready to do something for the kingdom of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct it? But we have the mind of Christ. I want Christ to be the one that leads me. I want Christ to go ahead of me. Because guess what? Even though the song kind of got worn out in the beginning of the pandemic, oh my goodness, we were singing Waymaker till you could sing it in your sleep and probably did sing it in your sleep. But now, you know, we can take our masks off now. Now we have the vaccine. So we really don't need the Waymaker. We don't really need the promise keeper. We don't really need that one that is the miracle worker anymore because we can take care of it. Really silent in here. We need to wake up and realize that the transforming work of Christ, he is the one true God. He is the all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And now that is how we need to pray with the mind of Christ to change everything to change everything. So when the bills come in and I say, God, what is it that you want to do? How is it that you want to meet our bills? We've had financial challenges just like anybody else. And there are the times where like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And there's times where, you know, you've just done everything. And sometimes it's unfortunate that we have to wait to the very end. And you put all the bills on the table and you put everything there and you put your hands and say, God, what do you want us to do? That's a big different prayer. 
God, what do you want for us to do? What's your heart in the midst of this? Think about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know, we, see, we hear the story in Luke, and, and as, as uh, Jesus gets the message that Lazarus is sick, he's dying, well, the Bible specifically says Jesus got the news about his, his friend Lazarus, his, his, he loved Mary and Martha, and he waited, he, he chose to wait two days. Chose to wait two days. Well, of course, by the time he got there, Lazarus is not only dead, he was already embalmed, he's, in the, he's already put in the tomb, it's all done. And Jesus didn't come in and say, well, you know, it's traffic. I couldn't get there. There was so many things going on. I had so many. It was. No, he chose to wait two days. So when the message came back to Mary and Martha and said, you know, uh, hey, uh, we told him uh, he's not coming for two days. What? Now, I know in our play here, it always comes across so nice, you know, when Mary and Martha, they greet Jesus and they, it's, it's so sweet. They say, Jesus, if you would have been here, he would have lived. I'm telling you, I don't believe that's the way it was said at all. I think it was like, you know, sort of half Brooklyn and half Yiddish. Like, yo, what, how could you not have come? What is the deal? Your friend, us? What? Where were you? Now, that's a loose Greek translation of the way it's. But I don't believe that. Like, oh, this is so wonderful. Thank you for finally getting here. He's dead now. But you see, Jesus had a bigger picture. They wanted their brother healed. Jesus wanted to raise him from the dead. Jesus wanted to do something that was more than, oh, thanks, all better, just gets back to life. He wanted to change a life, change lives, bring a testimony that went throughout the land so that wherever he went and Lazarus, and Lazarus was with him, people said, that's the man that was raised from the dead. That's the man that raised him from the dead. That's a lot bigger than taking care of a cold, isn't it? It's a lot bigger than just making someone better. You see, what God wants to do when Christ is moving in our hearts and lives, he wants to do something more than that little prayer that we want to pray to fix it, to put the, to put the, 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 uh, the, the fill the, the dam so the stuff doesn't come uh, over, the, over the edge and then we don't get flooded. He wants to transform to see his heart. In, in uh, Matthew 26, we read, going a little farther, further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Yet not my will, but your Is there any way we can grasp hold of what Jesus was saying at that time? He knew exactly what was unfolding. He knew the things that were going to unfold. He even perhaps knew the consequences of it all. And he still said, if there's any chance I don't have to go through this, please. But, 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 not my will. Your will be done. What happens when the doctor says to you, you have cancer? What happens when, the, when your boss says, sorry, we can't use you anymore? What happens when your kids say, I'm sick of it, I'm leaving? Do we just, we go run after, we pray, we call every single prayer line instead of saying, God, not my will, your will be done. God, I don't know what you want to do here. I don't know what happened when the prodigal son went out. And God changed his life, but he had to go to the lowest part of his life before he came back to the Father. What happens when we finally start praying what God wants because our minds have been transformed? See, the disciples were there, and we had a great message Pastor shared last week. The disciples were there, but they were, they were on their own agenda. 
Oh, here we go. We're going up to the garden again. Oh, he's going to pray again. Oh, that's a pretty loud prayer. Well, I, we, I don't know what's next, so I got a nap. Instead of being with him in the garden, instead of being with him and hearing his cry, which, had, which was changing the course of history, it wasn't just a prayer. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, and we do not know what we ought to pray for. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works together for the good for who loves him. And it's called according to his purpose. First service, um, Joe San Pedro was here. So I got his permission to share this. Now, many of you may know who he is. Many of you are on the prayer lines. I was certainly on the prayer line. Joe, are you still here? I thought I heard him. So listen, so we're all in these prayer lines and we're praying because it was just like one physical problem after another. One thing after another. The doctors did something wrong with this. He ended up in the city, at a hospital in the city. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all this stuff, we are praying and, and, and it's almost wondering like, why aren't you answering, God? We're praying the right way. We're coming together. Some people were fasting. God, heal him, heal him, heal him. But guess what? God waited. Why? Because hundreds of miles away is his daughter that he was estranged from 20 years ago, not talking her at all. Somehow, in only God's way, the message got to her that her father was dying. She got on a plane and came up here, and someone from our church picked her up and brought her into the city. And after 20 years of not seeing each other and praying for her salvation, she came and was restored in her relationship with her father in the hospital so that God was working there. But it wasn't enough because then our precious Diane Zarlingo took her aside and shared the gospel, and she accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of her life. We were frustrated that God hadn't answered. Why don't you heal him? And we had all the reasons. The whole hospital would get saved. Everybody would get saved. What a miracle. It would be on the New York Times. God said, there is a woman in North Carolina that needs to be restored to her father and her heavenly father. And that's what this is all about. So start praying differently. What happens when we say, God, what do you want me to pray for in this situation? What is the bigger thing that you're doing? And when he seems like he's delayed, wait for the miracle that God is going to do that's bigger than anything you could possibly pray for. Over these last few weeks, over these last few months, actually, as God has been putting this message into my heart, I started praying very differently. I no longer, and I, I had someone come into my office for in the middle of this and, and was expressing their situation. I said, okay, I, I, you're an experiment for me right now. Here's what I would normally say to you. Do this, this, and this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. I will do whatever you want. Renew my mind. Cause me to be in the place that you want me to be by your word, your truth, and your promises. Whatever it is, that's what I want to do. And she kind of looked at me like, okay, pastor. And I don't know the result of it. I know you're thinking, Anne, 
But I know this, she walked out of my office with an incredible sense of empowerment by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to hear from God, we got to be doing things the way God wants us to do them. If we want to hear him in prayer, prayer and intercession, we got to wait on God so we know what he wants. So we don't just click in, one, two, three, thanks God, I got this. Versus, oh my goodness, my friend has cancer. God, what would you have me do? And in the middle of this unsaved person getting prayed for, oh, my whole church is praying for you, oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. But um, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? No, son, I got cancer, now just pray. If the cancer goes away, then we'll deal with that. Oh, no, that's not how it works. Because whether you have cancer and get saved, you get cancer and die and get saved, it's all to the glory of God. It's all to the glory of God. So that God has great things that he wants to unfold. If we want revival, we have to be like Jesus in Matthew 26. Going a little further, going a little further, we fell on our face. We fall on our face and say, God, your will be done, not mine. If we really want revival, it's got to start with transform lives. See, here's how it works. Transform lives. Call on God for revival so that revival can transform lives that desperately need to know him as Lord and Savior. That's how it works. So that's us. We have to live transformed lives. We have to live lives that are honoring to God in every single way so that when someone says, can I pray for you? We say, yes, I will pray. Uh, yes, I'll receive that prayer. But we also have those moments where we can say, I will pray for you as God directs me to. Well, is he going to direct you so that my job will come back? I don't know. Let's ask God. He's kind of in control here. He knows the job you're supposed to be in. He may even know why you got fired that you haven't told anybody, but he'll reveal it by your Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Revealed by the Holy Spirit what God wants to do in our lives? This, just a little thought. When we think of revival, we think of what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. It's sort of like, um, like we're in a diner. And we go up to the waitress and we say, okay, um, I'd like to order a revival, please. And we're like, and she goes, oh, that's, that's no problem. And, and, and take your time. We're, we're in no hurry. We would just like to have some revival. Okay, I'll come back in a little while. And she comes back in a little while and says, uh, now, um, would you like uh, faith and repentance with that? Oh, gee, I don't know. Your faith would be good. Repentance, I don't know. That's just, I'm really not that hungry. So I'll just have a little faith. Uh, to go with this. And, and repentance, I don't know, but uh, would you like uh, so, some word on the side? Yeah, yeah, but not a lot because that, gets, I fill, that fills me up and then I really can't, you know, I can't eat anything else. You know, so, so just a little bit of word. Um, is there an upcharge for that? Uh, well, there's a small upcharge. Well, I don't know. You know, I think I have some word at home. I'll just use that. Dessert? Oh, of course I want dessert. And maybe that could be something like healing or, or deliverance or something like that. I'd like that for dessert. Sure, sarcastic. But isn't that sometimes the only way we're talking to God? We're just ordering something in. We just want some pieces to come together, and I'm a little full with that. I'm not sure about that. How about, how about God? I'll just, here it is. Here is the plan. If you could just make this happen, I would appreciate it because it would just make my faith so much easier. Church, we have to come to the place where we are like Jesus. 
we get on our knees and we say, not my will, but your will be done. Not the way I want to pray. How do you want to pray through me? Not my desires, your desires. You intercede. You direct me. You direct through me whatever you want to do. And life begins to change in ways that we absolutely could never imagine. Could you imagine Joe who prayed for his daughter for years, 20 years? And only when he was sick, only when he was dying, was her heart finally open to her dad to join them together. But it wasn't enough just to have a reunion. That's great, and that's wonderful. But she needed a reunion with her heavenly father, and God orchestrated all of it. All of it, because he said, whatever it takes to get my daughter back, whatever it takes, even if it's his own life. When are we going to start praying church like that? Whatever it takes for my neighbors to get saved, whatever it takes for my children to come back as they've walked away, whatever it takes in my job to be a witness, whatever it takes, God, for my finances to honor you, whatever it takes, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. And you will change the way you pray. You will change the way the word of God will impart itself into your hearts and lives. You cannot do this without reading the word of God. You cannot have the mind of Christ without reading the word. You can't. You can't. You have to read it. You have, I'm not talking about listen to a hundred sermons. I'm saying open the Bible. Take your app. Take your paper Bible. I don't care what it is. Open it and say, God, show me your mind. Show me your heart. Transform my thinking by your word and by your truth so that I can be set free to do the work you've called me to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just pray with me that, Lord, we know that you are in the midst of all of this. You're in the midst, Lord, and we come here today We have been changed by the power of God in our life. We've been set free. And it's no longer I that live, but that you live in me. Renew me. Transform me. Cause us to see the situations that come across our pathway no longer through our eyes of the flesh, but the eyes of the Spirit to see lives changed and hearts made whole. And hearts made whole. As I'm praying, this is just God's timing. There are a few of you that are just so afraid to pray that way. And you're saying, but, but, what, but what if? What if it doesn't work out my way? Can you trust God who has a bigger picture of your life and an answer to that prayer than you could ever imagine? He's the restorer. He's still the way maker. He's still the miracle worker. He's still the promise keeper. He's the one true God, the all-knowing, the all-powerful. He has never, never changed. And our minds are renewed. And Christ is alive in you and in me. Amen.